Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining this week's Tunnel Club show. We'll just get started in a minute as I'm just waiting for Sean to join. Uh, And then, of course, uh, we'll get talking about TFC's big 3-2 win over Chicago at BMO Field. So just uh, give us a sec and uh, we'll get started in a moment. Um, I see Sean in the room. So, Sean, if you just want to request speaking rights, we'll get you uh, in here. All right, perfect. Perfect, guys. We'll just get started in just a moment. Welcome to this week's TFC Tunnel Club Day After Show. A 3-2 win for TFC over Chicago Fire at BMO Field yesterday. Um, Ends a winless run at six as they get their first three points since April. Um, As always, uh, your host for this show, uh, it's Mike. You can follow me at Football Saves. And Sean, uh, you can follow him at CDN Footy. Um, Sean, uh, I mean, look, it wasn't a pretty uh, game by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, But hey, look, three points or three points in TFC needed that desperately. No, I agree. Um, I unfortunately couldn't make it down live. Um, was nursing a groin injury, and I just couldn't. I wouldn't have been useful um, standing out front there with you guys. Oh, so I wow. Said, just chilling home. You're, you're joining yeah. the growing TFC injury list. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm out for a little bit. But uh, with that being said, um, we got three points. Wasn't pretty like you said. It was definitely wasn't pretty the whole game, but – you know what, though, pretty doesn't always matter, right? At the, at the end of the day, it's 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 trying to get results, and we got the three points. Um, and there were some key players that I thought stepped up and played well yesterday. Um, so I, are the areas still – for me, it's the same concerns we've had pretty much all year round, so there's really no point in dwelling on them. And until we either get reinforcements or health healthier – we kind of it is what it is defensively, but I I'm happy with the three points. Yeah, so uh, I was um, at BMO yesterday, um, and everybody, can you please forgive my voice? I, I did capo the game uh, in one sixteen uh, for Kings of the North, so uh, my voice is a little rough. Um, but I mean, look, I think. Uh, good Saturday night out or actually really good energy for a team that it looked like hasn't played extremely well in the last month. Um, but it's great energy in the crowd. Uh, and then obviously, you know, the team, look, uh, we'll get into the game here. Look, they, they started off a little slow again, um, but at least they didn't concede in the first 10 minutes, uh, which seems to have been a trend in the last couple of match days. Um, but uh, again, you, you early on, um, uh, you know, after watching the replay today, Jordan Shakiri um, w- was clearly in a mood, uh, to impact the game. And, and early on, he was already bringing sort of his influence into the match. Um, and TFC could have easily been down, um, a goal, uh, very early on, 
but um, you know, I, I think what we saw was again a team that you know rode its luck a little bit in that in that opening stretch, and then actually put together a nice little sequence of play um, for the first goal. Um, you know, Sean, I just want to get your thoughts kind of on the DeAndre Kerr goal. You know what you kind of saw in terms of the buildup and then the uh, finish for the first goal. Um, well, I mean, it was you had I think three or four different players that were involved in in the buildup, um, and that to me is a positive sign. Is that they're moving the ball around, P- players are finding the open space and finding each other in those spaces, and DeAndre Kerr's was was a perfect finish. It was he you know got one touch on it and then just put like it. it when I watched the replay today, it didn't necessarily look like it was a, he had a, a lot of power, but he caught the goalie flat footed and he had enough on it and placed it in the right spot that even though the, the keeper got a hand on it, he couldn't do anything to, to prevent it from going in the back of the net. So as a, as a, I liked the buildup. I liked how guys were moving around. Um, in fact, that was one of the positives I noticed. It was, was the link up play in the final third was a lot, better this week than it has been as of late yeah and um i think in that that first sort of 20 minutes although chicago uh you know was able to penetrate and cause some issues i i do like the fact that you know tfc also was able to um you know in transition make moments happen um and, and look i think over the the last couple of weeks um, you know, DeAndre Kerr has gotten a lot more confidence. Uh, you know, I think that time being sort of forced to sit uh, while while Bob Bradley sort of, you know, gave him that first start and, and let him sort of lick his wounds after the first 45 minutes and work on his game and um, and then come into this one and, and really, um, really been impactful in the last, I would say in the last game and a half. Um, you know, obviously he fades during matches and and that's kind of again sort of natural for a player making their debut senior team season um but it was i thought it was a really great finish i thought luca petrasso did a great job stepping up and winning that ball back and and kind of driving the team forward on that goal and then connecting really well with jesus jimenez and then again sort of we've talked a lot about jimenez and and sort of how he's kind of sneaky one of the underrated signings of the year um in mls but you know, he laid that ball off really well for DeAndre. And I think, I agree, I, I don't think he put a lot of power in the shot, but I, I think what he did really well is that he didn't have a ton of backlift uh, on the hit, and he hit that early, so it didn't allow Selena to set his feet. Because um, I think if Selena gets a chance to set his feet, then he probably gets a stronger hand to that and keeps it out of the net. Um, but, hey, look, again, like I said at the top, you ride your luck a little bit. Uh, he doesn't set his feet well, doesn't put off strong enough hand to that, and TFC get a rare lead in a game, uh, something that they haven't really done a lot of in the in the, this season or really even stretching into last season. They don't score the first goal very often. Um, but then after that, uh, you know, TFC kind of, you know, they kind of, again, kind of fall victim to um, – allowing teams to dictate the play a little bit on home on home turf and although they get the goal you know you still felt like Chicago were we're still in this to get a goal and we're able to we're going to be able to create something um out of that and again uh, you know I 
I know we're a TFC focused show, but I do want to spend a few minutes just talking about Jordan Shakiri because I, I I thought he was actually the man of the match um, overall. I know Pozuelo gets the brace, um, but I thought that you know this is what you kind of pay for when you get these big stars coming over from Europe, right? Like I get Chicago are where they are. They're at the foot of the table in the Eastern conference, but I thought this was the kind of game that, you know, if, if bounces kind of go the right way, you know, he could have won this game by himself. And that's kind of what we're hoping for when Insigne gets here. Um, But I mean, you couldn't help, but walk away being like, Oh man, like he, he really put in a, uh, a performance that could have been a match winning one. Um, Sean, I just want to get your thoughts really quick on on Jordan security before we kind of get back on the TFC train there. I would have I would have to agree. I think he definitely was like I don't think we really had a, a an answer to stop him defensively, um, and he he was pretty he pretty much controlled con- was dictating play offensively for Chicago. The problem is is you know outside of a couple good calls for us, you know um, when it comes to VAR yesterday. But they just didn't have, I guess, enough guys around him that can, you know, when he is uh, called in to be a playmaker, he doesn't have maybe the weapons to assist him out there. And, and that's why you see Chicago at the foot of the, at the bottom of the table, right? Because he was clearly, you know, far and above, I thought, the best player on the pitch yesterday. And, and again, that's no slight to pause because I thought that was, again, if not his best performance, definitely top two so far this season. Um, so... You know, with that being said, you know, Paz has better supporting cast around him that can allow him not to always be the only focal point. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because, uh, you know, again, rewatching the game and, and seeing the stats, I mean, Chicago put in like 34 or 35 crosses in the game, um, the majority of them coming in the second half during that sort of, you know, 12, 15-minute sort of moment of madness where TFC – um, you know, concede the lead, but I mean, he created more than half of them, uh, and, and they were all, almost all really dangerous uh, balls into the box. And you know, to sort of parallel that to TFC and what again you kind of hope that Insigne can bring is is that ability to change games even when your team isn't playing particularly amazing. Again, the stats will will show that, you know, in terms of expected goals, in terms of chances on goal, uh, in terms of crosses, things like that, Chicago will probably come away from this thinking, how did we not at least get a point out of this game? Um, but, you know, again, from a, from a TFC perspective, that's kind of what you're hoping a, a, an Insigne can do for you at times when, you know, you're not going to necessarily – um, dominate games, but you have this one player that can really sort of make the difference in a, you know, let's face it, this game was a bottom of the table clash, um, you know, and, and an important three points for TFC to get. Um, so that that's kind of just the thing that struck me in terms of uh, Shakiri's performance was just, you know, really kind of hope Insigne can kind of bring that kind of uh, sort of playmaking and play game-changing ability to TFC uh, when he arrives, which is like a month, which is crazy to say. Like it's a, it's a, he'll be here in about a month um, uh, for, for TFC uh, sort of, you know, you, we have this international break where they're off 
they don't have a league match for three weeks. So really they have a, a handful of matches, league matches before um, Lorenzo Insigne uh, puts on a TFC shirt, which is still wild uh, to me. I know we've been talking about it for months, but uh, still a wild thing to think about. I'm actually, like I said, I think we've taught, touched on this before. You know, we know that Insigne brings a big, big, you know, resume to the table. But what it's going to, in my opinion, what it's going to do is it's going to force teams to, like, he'll become the new focal point for TFC. And I think if we have a healthy pause, that this has to, has to benefit him, right? Because when you see him active and, and, and involved, he's, you know, you see what he brings to the table. You saw yesterday just, you know, his, his willingness to to be that playmaker, to run up and down, when you have an engaged pause and you can bring an Insigne on the pitch who's going to draw more attention and open up the pitch for Jimenez, open up the pitch for pause and other players around him, I think it will, it will, you'll see a, a different side of our team offensively. Now, yeah. that's, I'm, again, I'm not too worried about how things will go moving forward on the attack. I'm still worried about, like, because it's the same problem we've been having all year round. You know, and I know we're going to touch on it shortly, but. Yeah. Well, let's let, let's talk about it. I mean, um, you know, TFC go into halftime one nil up. I, I, you know, overall, I think that's a that's sort of a fairish result for the first half. I, I know Chicago had a lot of chances and could have tied it up um, on a couple of opportunities, but I think TFC just played well enough to 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 really deserve that goal. Um, again this sort of speaks to what you were saying, right? I do feel teams can now start to key in on Pozuelo, key in a bit on Jimenez, and it makes it a little bit harder for them to play through. You're, you you know, you, Osorio had to come off early, um, which is, again, a, a little concerning both for TFC and the national team. Uh, so you brought in Jaden Nelson, and, you know, uh, again, it's, it's one of those things where I, I think that, you know, you you have to, Bob Bradley's being forced into making a lot of on the fly changes um, from where, what I think he ideally wants to do, uh, and you and you end up in these situations where again you you kind of have moments that look really great and then moments where they look a little lost, especially as you said defensively. Um, and again, a lot of those issues for TFC come down those wing back flanks. Um, where you have uh, Petrasso and Kosi Thompson pushing up. But even when they are sitting deeper, um, you are just seeing that inexperience and being able to handle uh, switches in play, uh, being able to just being able to do what should be basic things like clearing lines properly, uh, winning second balls. Uh, TFC have a really, it was noticeable in this game, mainly because Chicago has so much height. But they really had an issue winning second balls, you know, winning, being able to uh, just being able to win headers and clear the ball away. And, and I know a lot of that, I guess, complaint comes from, you know, a lot of people are, are pointing the finger at people like Carlos Salcedo, which is fair, right? I, I don't think he has played up to his, his DP moniker, but uh, as a collective team effort, I think that, um, you know, TFC, you know, just collectively have not defended well. And again, they, they give up, um, they give up another goal. And that's now, I think, 43 or 42 games uh, straight that they haven't given up a clean, 
sheet um, or they haven't had a clean sheet. Um, that's that's kind of incredible that they've gone that long without uh, without a clean sheet. Uh, and it just speaks to sort of the, the team, the ability to not be able to defend, defend, defend um, as a team and as a unit. Um, it's not all on the back line. And it's not all on the goalkeepers. Um, Sean, I know you want to talk a little bit about sort of the defensive struggles of the team. Um, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, for me, it just, it just shows even more reason that I think that needs to be, especially in this window, an area of a, a focal point for the team. Um, you know, our center backs aren't healthy. Um, cause even, you know, I think this has been like the second game I've noticed Osedo kind of go down briefly. Um, you know, we've, we've had to push O'Neill a lot more than we've needed to. Mavinga's been out for more than he's been on the pitch. Um, you know, McNaughton's been thrown into the fire, uh, done an admirable job, but again, he wasn't meant to be starting week in, week out. Same thing um, so, with Shane O'Neill, right? Like, right. So I think you know, for me, you know, watching the the consistent defensive errors, again, not to blame. There's not one individual, as you mentioned. There's often time where the midfielders aren't supporting properly. Man, are, you know, it's for a split second, and that's all it, it, it you need. But for a split second, somebody's, you know, loses um, trace of their of their defender or who they're marking, and often it's one of the younger guys who are a little bit, you know, maybe not positionally aware of where they need to be at that moment. But I think in this window that's coming up, this it's clearly we need reinforcements specifically defensive. De- defenders first and maybe a defensive midfielder as well. But outside of that, I think if, if we want to have any kind of success this season, we need something, we need to shore up defensive, right? Because you can't be... Winning is great, but it would, it, you know what? We need to get rid of this, 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 um, uh, goal of street, like, or, or clean, uh, clean sheet streak. That's, that's embarrassing, you know, and I'm not blaming, and even though I may harp on the, on, you know, whether it be Bono or, you know, or even Westberg when he's in there, um, we've got to, we, we need a, a major improvement. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't think you can, you know, there's no play on Quentin Westberg. I don't think you could do anything on either goal. Um, and, and actually made a couple of saves that essentially won us the game, um, you know, on Casper Shabilko And I think, I think on Jakiri, um, uh, sort of later on in the second half, but, um, you know, the, the, I mean, they, the, you, you give up the two goals. Um, and again, both of them are kind of young player mistakes in, in a way. Um, I know a lot of people will will kind of point the finger, at least on the second goal, um, on uh, Salcedo not coming out and making himself bigger. I know uh, Stephen Caldwell kind of pointed that out on the broadcast um, to kind of close him down. But, you know, the, it just comes from, you know, players losing marks really easily. And then Castro Shabilko's at the top of, you know, the box alone, uh, you know, on the header back. Uh, and then you're you're scrambling again, right? And there and there was a lot of that, especially sort of at the start of the second half, um, where they just got pinned in um, for a long period of time. But again, to sort of bring this around to a positive point, and Chris, I'm going to bring you in in a second um, with your comment. But the team fought back, and I, I know we talk about that every week, right? We always talk about it every week. This team fights back. They always they don't quit, um, and this time they get rewarded. 
Um, and, and look, I we'll talk about it really quickly. The the penalty decision. I thought it was a bit of a soft penalty. Oh, uh, it, it was. It's a soft it penalty, right? Like it's a. It's. I mean, like once you call the foul, once you go to VAR, you kind of either it's it's going to be either it's outside the box or it's a penalty because he does get his foot inside the box. I'm not questioning that at all. Um, I, it is a bit of a soft penalty, but again, you know, TFC need to ride their luck, right? Like a couple weeks ago, we were talking about a goal disallowed in Vancouver that arguably could have won in that game, right? Um, and, and sometimes you do need to ride your luck when you're when you're trying to push back, and you know you get that uh, you get that penalty, and in Puzzwell this time takes a much more confident looking penalty than he did in Vancouver, um, and sticks it in, and and the next thing you know the fight's back on, and during those last that sort of that sort of stretch of time, that sort of ten minutes, again we see the good. We, we saw the good of what TFC can do in terms of getting the ball and, and being able to play a little bit and, and finding space. And then, you know, you got to talk about Pozuelo's strike again, uh, right at the top of the box and great, which I, in the stadium, I didn't actually realize it hit the back stanchion. It was, a you know, as a you're in the South End, you don't have a great uh, view of things sometimes uh, when it's down near the opposite end of the field. Uh, but a great strike that hits the back stanchion, hits the crossbar and the back stanchion in. Just a, that's the Pozuelo we know, right? And it, it's funny because he mentioned that after the game that this was the first game he played this season where he didn't, you know, he felt 100%. He actually felt like he had no, you know, issues going into the game. Um, and we've been talking about all year whether or not he fits into this team. I still don't know if he fully fits um, into the way that they want to play, but you know, this is a game where you saw a healthy Pozuelo and you kind of saw him roll back the clock a little bit. Uh, Chris, I'm going to bring you in. Um, so go ahead, unmute yourself, man, and give us your thoughts. Yeah, well, I, I agree with uh, Pozuelo. I really hope these two goals um, turn around his season. Um, for the most part, I think he's been pretty, pretty poor. Um, he has had some good moments throughout the season, but um, I'm hoping these two goals will give him some confidence. Um, I think we saw the good and the bad of Pozuelo in that game. The first half, I'll be honest, I thought he was the worst player on the pitch, and I honestly thought he was going to get substituted um, pretty early in the second half. But um, he was able to turn his game around. Um, he Sometimes I think he tries to do too much, maybe because he feels he has to put more responsibility on himself. He sometimes holds onto the ball a little bit too long. Um, and then gets himself into trouble. Um, but uh, I really hope that this turns the season around. Um, with what you said earlier, with regards to, I think the, the problem with why we had so many crosses into the box was how we played. To me, it looked like we were playing the a midfield diamond almost with um, Pozuelo in the 10 and then... Um, and then two strikers ahead of him. So when you play that formation, you're leaving space out wide for the opposition to expose. And Shakiri really exposed that by drifting out wide continuously throughout the game and whipping balls into the box. So I, I think that's part of the problem was how we set up. Um, and that resulted in so many crosses coming in. Um, with Salcedo, um, I did some calculations last night. He makes more than every other defender in our squad combined. And when that, when you're in that situation, I think you have to point the finger at him a little bit. Um, he was brought in to fix the defense. 
and it has not gotten any better at all. I, I'm, okay, I'll just stop. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna point my. I'm gonna, with you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just really quick, Chris. Like, um, I, I get your point, and I get a lot of people's point, right? I'll, you, you're not the only person that said that about Salcedo, in terms of how much he makes, uh, and what he should do. To ask, and I get it, a DP defender. If you're gonna spend DP money on a defender, they should be, or at least people believe they should be this all-encompassing, win every header, clear every ball without question. Um, and there is some truth to that, for sure. Uh, uh, however, uh, to, to say that he's going to be the one piece that fixes the defense, no. Like, that's not, that's not, that's not, I don't think that's fair to him. Um, I, I, you know, that's just a function. Like, to me, one, I just, without getting into the whole, what should rosters and salary caps look like in MLS discussion, which can be a whole show in itself. Um, I don't think you can, it's just one of those functions of like, he's okay because he's paid what he's paid. He has to be labeled a DP. And in this league that, that, that tag is supposed to mean that you are some kind of overcompassing, amazing does everything kind of player. Um, and I don't, and I don't think that that is exactly what he needs to be. I think he needs to be much better than he's been. I agree on that. Um, but I don't think he's the guy who's supposed to come and solve everything. He is a part of the solution. Uh, I don't think they have the full, I don't think they have the full complement of what they think their defending is going to be. Like, I don't think long-term the idea was that Jaquiel Marshall ready long-term as your right wing-back, right? I, I don't think long-term they thought Jacob Schaffelberg would be your left wing-back. Uh, you know, I don't think uh, – they definitely did not envision that Shane O'Neill would be starting the majority of the games beside him. Um, that was supposed to be partly, hopefully, fixed in this window or maybe even in the offseason. So, uh, again, yes, Salcedo should be better. Um, again, to fix everything, I, I just don't, I just don't think that's, that's kind of fair on him. Um, but Chris, obviously you, you have thoughts. So I'll, I'll let you sort of, uh, jump in here. Well, maybe, maybe I'm a bit harsh. Maybe he's not meant to fix everything, but on both goals, he's making errors. In the first goal, he is, um, leaving the goal scorer, um, Tehran wide open in the six yard box while he's not marking anybody. And then in the second goal, he, or he's kind of doing what they call in hockey the flamingo block, where you're making you're going into block, but then you're making yourself as small as possible so the ball doesn't really kind of hit you. Well, you have oh. to do that now because it's a penalty. Like every every referee now calls that a penalty, so I can, can completely understand that. And in terms of the first goal um, that Chicago score, look, I <laughs> it won. J- Jaden Nelson doesn't doesn't do him any favors by not closing down. Uh, I believe it's Shakiri that puts the ball in. Doesn't really close him down uh, with any conviction to try to stop the cross, which is part of some of the issues that we had yesterday. Is that we were just really lackadaisical in trying to close down crossers. Um, and then in terms of the header, look, it's just a situation where you get a player that got a run on uh, a run on a run on Salcedo. Um, and it was a great ball. Like we got, we also have to acknowledge that. Like not everything necessarily is a complete fault 
of defending. Sometimes it's a great ball and it's a player that got a run on a, a defender. You know, um, again, I, I'm not trying to make excuses for Carlos Salcedo necessarily, but at the same time, you know, uh, this is, goes back to the idea of team defending, right? There's a lot of things that broke down on the first goal uh, that allow Shakiri to put in a really good ball and their center back to essentially be able to get up that high uh, and out jump Carlos Salcedo and got a run on him, right? Like, sucks. Um, but I don't know if it's necessarily a let's just point the finger at Carlos Salcedo and say that's his fault, right? I, I think that's pretty harsh. Yeah, I'll agree. I don't think we can blame one, you know, Salcedo on, on you know, it, like him alone. You know, it's a combination of errors by multiple players that if they, you know, like if Jaden stepped up, that who knows, you know, it may not have been an, a, a straightforward cross. Maybe Shakira would have had to cut back. Like often in times it's not the, the final defender who, you know, who's forced into a situation now has to be like, do I take the man? Do I you know, are we playing a zone? Do I need to play my position versus, you know, there's many things that can happen that force him to, to make that last minute decision versus, you know, what he would like to do. And that's simply if a player actually steps up when he's supposed to, then he doesn't have to, he's not forced into a bad decision at the last minute. Right. And again, that boils down to, as we said, team defending, and it's an area that no one player can fix overnight. Right. That was one area we knew from last season we needed to improve defensively. And we still realize that from early in the season that we're far from where we need to be. And so Sato alone can't be the only fix. Right. So do I am I a fan of him getting that DP contract? No. Do I think a defender should be paid DP status? No. But it is what it is. We can't change how much he's getting paid more than the rest of the defenders combined, right? If if the team has an issue with that or any player on the team, that's their problem. Not Honestly, us as fans worry sometimes about the stupidest things, right? But at the end of the day, the team as a whole needs a, a, – A, we need more bodies that can play def- defense. We need the right players in those positions because we're it's our wingbacks, the guys that we're trying – we, we like the, the youth, but I, in my opinion, it's not working, right? Um, and these aren't even the guys that, that were penciled in at the start of the season. We're already down to second and third options because of injury. So there's a lot of factors into why we're struggling defensively, but as I said, in the, in the summer window that's coming up, that is an area that I think we have to have to focus on. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Chris, okay, I'm going to move you back into the audience. Thanks for your thought. Uh, if you want to jump in a little bit later, then feel free. Um, look, I, I think that we we talked about the defensive things. We've beaten that horse to death, I think. But uh, I will say that, again, from a positive perspective, because remember, guys, we did win the game. <laughs> um, I thought the last, the last sort of 10 minutes, uh, I, I thought you saw a – was it maturity? Um, but you, you you saw a group that was committed to seeing the result out. Um, and, and that, they, they again, that leave. is the positive thing. That's a, that's, a, that's a jump. Sorry, Sean. So, sorry, they didn't want to lose. I, you, I saw a determination of we're not losing, we're not giving up these points tonight. 
right? Yeah. Like they may not have played great, but they made sure that every everyone was behind the ball. Everybody was like, if we could get that mentality for the whole ninety minutes defensively, you know, we we would have seen a lot more better results by now. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. And I and I think that you know uh, it, it it really came down to as Bob Bradley kind of said in his post game comments, right? Like you can't talk about the football because it was not great, right? Like this was not a beautiful, aesthetically pleasing football match to watch, right? This was at the end, a kind of who wants this more, right? Who, who really wants to walk out of here with three points more. And that is the encouraging part from TFC is that they, especially at home, you know, are kind of finding finding their footing in terms of um, just being really competitive. Because I think that's what a lot of the season is going to come down to is how competitive can this team be? The football is probably not good. Even when Insignia gets here, I don't think the football is going to be champagne stuff, right? I think it's going to be a lot of scrappy, you know, dog fight, who's going to want these points. And then hopefully what you – get out of an Insigne and whoever else they sign um, in, in the window is a moment or two of magic that can steal you points, right? Or can get you three points. Uh, that's kind of what you're looking for this year. I, I really don't think you're going to end up, this team isn't going to magically turn into, you know, the 2017 team or the 2020 team um, with a couple of signings overnight. Right. I think you're going to you're going to really going to find some guy really what you need to find is here. Are some guys who are willing to fight because we didn't have that last year. And and that's really the first step in this rebuild, um, you know, at least from what I'm seeing uh, from the team. And right now you got you got some fighters in the team, which is uh, which is an, a positive thing to see right now. Um, so go ahead, I, got, I got a question for you and actually for anyone in the audience as well. So. We got back-to-back wins, one Canadian championship, one in league play. But both of those wins happened to come with Quinton Westberg in goal. Oh, here we go. Now, I'm not trying to start it. I'm just saying, hold on. (laughs) I did listen to what Bob said earlier prior to yesterday's game, and he did say that that was his goal all along as to not to create a controversy by not having them kind of rotate earlier but by basically having a moment where, all right, we're going to give Bono a break, and Q, you're going to get a few games. The problem is, is when you start to win, how can you not continue to ride the hot hand? Oh, he's going to continue to ride Q. Right? So I think he's going to continue to ride Q. June 4th, next Saturday Canadian Championship, I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll see Q. And I did say that in the last game he was going to play, which he did, and that things are starting to turn around. So just saying. And well, let's I, I, you know, look, is is Q the the long term answer? No, I'm still gonna say we still need to. This is an area in the off season when you know when this 2022 season's over. That's one area that I think the team will definitely address. But you know what? If you can build con, like you're seeing a little bit more stability defensively when they're moving the ball out. They have a different type of confidence within that that their goalie. He's it can make the big saves just as big as Bono can. So how can you not continue? Like you said, at least for the for 
the next few games, I don't, or at least until they lose, I don't see him not starting. Yeah. Okay. Let's open this up to the audience because I'm I'm interested to see what people think about this. Um, if you are on your phone, go ahead and request the mic if you have some thoughts on the goalkeeping situation at Toronto FC because this is interesting because it's not just goalkeeping, right? It does, as Sean say, affect in a lot of ways how the team play um overall so go ahead and request the mic it's in the bottom left hand corner um love to hear some new voices i see some faces that we see all the time but i haven't heard from you so would love to get your thoughts on that um yeah in terms of the i made a note in the show run here to be you know to sort of point out cue a little bit um look it's no secret to anybody that he is a thousand times a better distributor of the ball than Alex Bono, right? That's not that's not news. <laughs> you know, we're not we're not you know we're not breaking anything here. Um, and, and and it showed yesterday, right? Like his ability to kick the ball long and find the head of a Toronto FC player uh, is critical in the way that you want to play. Because if he can distribute the ball, uh, if your goalkeeper can distribute the ball in a way that you don't feel like you're going to immediately turn the ball over then you do have a little bit more license to push forward and try to get the ball and play a bit um and you can see it at times um with Alex Bono I I noticed it a bit in the two Cincinnati games where at times there was a reluctance to play the ball back to him to feet but they had to because they're you know they, they they have to and then when he hits the ball and it goes either straight to touch or it just lands at the chest of the opposing player, right? You, you have, you know, every, everybody's first reaction is, to, okay, let's drop, let's drop, let's drop to defend. Uh, and, and it was a bit different yesterday with Q and goal, right? Um, you know, where he can hit the ball and he's finding someone's head. And yes, you're not going to win every second ball. I, I get that completely. But it, it does change the way that players play around him and how, how players will, will defend and how players will receive a ball and, and kind of go forward. Because, you know, if Q comes and gets the ball defensively, then they know they can, he can distribute um, and, and bring people into play. And, and that is, that is a, an underrated element to how you can play uh, as a team. Uh, Chris, I'll bring you back in here. Um, but if there's anybody else with thoughts as well, feel free to request the miking. Sort of give us your thoughts on, you know, the Q Bono discussion. I know we've had it a million times over last season for sure, but obviously now as Q's getting a run of games in, I think there's going to be that sort of question again. But go ahead, Chris. Um, I agree with Sean. Uh, None of them are the answer long-term. Short term, I guess we just keep playing Westberg. We're winning. Um, But long-term, in my opinion, they're fighting for who's going to be the backup, which... I don't think it's going to be Bono because of the price he's on and the price that he's probably going to want um, once his contract expires at the end of the season, I believe. Um, so, like, in my opinion, long-term, Westberg is probably our backup. But, uh, like, like I, I agree with Sean, we, we need an upgrade there. Regardless of who we decide to keep, one of them has to go, if not both. Um, but, yeah, I keep playing the, the, the hand that uh, is, is resulting in some wins, in my opinion. Um, he, did, he did make a mistake over the, in the Canadian Championship. He did not react. He may, not have be, he may have been blinded. He may not have seen the shot. Um, but he should have made the save there. Um, last game, he 
both goals, I don't think um, he, there was any issue for on, on his behalf. Um, and I know some people, the offside goal that they did score, I know some people were questioning the rebound, but it was a deflected shot that he was able to save. Um, in my and in my opinion, if it's if it's a uh, ref, uh, a deflected shot, um, and you make a save, that's all you're expected to do. You can't really control where the ball's going to go after that. So yeah, just keep the hot hand going, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess the only other thing is, for me, I think neither of them. I think their times have both come in Toronto, um, but. That's just my take. Like I said, I don't know. I just don't see long-term Q for me. I think age wise, you know, this might be his last, like, I don't know if he's got one more um, contract left in him. Um, that's going to be it. And, and, and it might simply be as a backup. Right. Um, but Bono, I, I think in his mind, he's a starter in this league and there might be a team that will give him that opportunity or at least to fight for it. But I just don't see him as our future number one anymore. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I still think that he, I don't know if he'll, I mean, my, looking, my, with the kind of got players that if we want to be continuously win, you just said it yourself. The, I mean, we, the, the confidence the team has in when you have a keeper that can distribute the ball properly and you want to, imp- you want to be a winning team. You need a keeper that you can have, that can, can, bestow that that confidence from their whole team and again he can be he can make some big saves and there's no taking that away from bono but in what how many years again have we said like six seven years not a single improvement in his ball distribution i'm sorry i just don't think for what where we want to be i just don't see him like i said i think that's where we need an upgrade in the offseason no, I, I do i do believe we need to bring in another goalkeeper in, in the offseason but um, you know, in terms of who's going to end up being, uh, you know, back next year, I don't know. Maybe neither are. I think they're both in contract years. Um, so, uh, and I'm going to be sure that both are 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 going to be interested in staying. Um, now again, Quinton Westberg, I know, I know he's an older side of the goalkeeper, but I mean, a lot of goalkeepers can play into their late 30s and and still be very effective goalkeepers. So I'm not that I'm not so worried about. Um, you know, I, it's just a question of, you know, can we find a, a goalkeeper that we feel can be solid on a game by game basis um, as a number one and not have to do this kind of conversation every year where we're kind of asking, you know, OK, should it be Q? Should it be Bono? Here is the strengths of Alex Bono. Here are the strengths. of Q. Like, you know, we're, we're again, this is kind of the second, maybe even really third season where we're kind of going into this conversation. And I know Bob Bradley mentioned that he didn't want to create a controversy by not starting, you know, by giving Bono sort of the number one out of the gate and letting him start uh, all the games uh, for the first couple of months. But look, if you start winning and you start getting results and Quentin Westbrook's your goalkeeper, that question is coming up again. Um, You know, Uh, but Robbie, uh, let's get your thoughts in here. Uh, Go ahead and meet yourself, man, and, and let us know what you're thinking. Hey guys, uh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm. It's hard not to disagree with with anything everyone's saying. Um, I I always had this feeling that they were sort of shopping Bono 
for the whole first half of the season. They're like, this guy's valuable. So say there's a team that needs a keeper halfway through the season because we're in a rebuild year. You know, they're basically creating value, right? The guy's out there playing every day. The league sees what he's worth. And, you know, they were just rolling the dice. And, you know, for the most part, Bono's played pretty well aside from, and, and I'll say it, he's, he's got clown feet. Um, but uh, with Q, I mean, they're two totally different goaltenders. But I think, like, if you look, like, down the line of, like, their stats, you know, both are great locker room guys. And I think, like, the two things that make a difference are – like some really important things, the ball distribution, which I think TFC really needs. And I think it was evident yesterday, but I was at the game and I don't know. I mean, there were some moments where, you know, Q definitely hits his targets, um, but we still turned the ball over, right? We couldn't really uh, hold hold the ball up well. Um, I guess that's on, you know, the, the players receiving the ball. And then I think the big difference for me between the two goalies is like, like who's a general back there? Who's really helping like run that back line with Salcedo? Right. And it seems like Bon was a locker room guy, but I feel like he's just never been able to do that. And I think he was sort of sheltered when we had more, you know, on the uh, on the back line. And, you know, guys like Moro, like these senior guys who really just commanded the respect of everyone around them. And not that Bono doesn't get that, but uh, for some reason, and at least from my perspective as a fan, that doesn't appear to be happening. And I think also some of his confidence when he, um, gets up to the top of the box to attack a ball that that's been played forward, you know, through the lines. It always seems that Bono's it's always shaky, and I know they've both given up penalties in, in the last couple of years on on similar plays like that. But I mean, even yesterday, Q was he he was on he was on when, when balls were were you know were passed forward you know through the lines, and and he was on top of it. And I mean, just the other day, Bono was it who was tracking back? Was it Kerr? You know, and 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 they and their uh, goal was scored against them, and it was like a confidence issue. And I think between Bono's distribution and his ability to his communication on the field, I would say he's obviously a great locker room guy. That seems to be um, something everyone can agree on. But I think those are the things that I noticed. I don't know. You guys tell me what you think, but those are my thoughts. Um, Go ahead, Sean. I can I can touch on the vocal part because um you know as someone who's often you know we're in the south end we we're right right by the net. I, I've never really known Bono to be very, like, yes, you, you know, I see him pointing out and, and communicating with his team, but I've never really heard him to be super vocal, right? Um, and that's, here's the thing, it's not all keepers are like that. Some keepers work are just very much mental or focused on, on, to, on their tasks, and the leader, the vocal leader defensively is usually one of the center backs, Right. And he does. He he commands the D and allows the keeper to command the box. And when you know it's his ball, when he's attacking, that's when you hear the voice of the keeper. Other times, you have keepers literally move like you constantly see them. Basically, he's the one who's positioning, getting everybody where they need to be because he's he's that guy. That's his role. That's how he is. That's not necessarily Bono. So I don't know if you can. That is often just the style of the keeper, right? And you're right. When he came into the team, he had a defensive unit that was, you know, you had um, a group of guys that literally he didn't have to do anything to just play, right? So it's hard to ask him now to all of a sudden to become that vocal leader in the back when it's never really been his style. Yeah. Um, uh, and I agree with all that, right? Like, yes, it is easy. It, 
it, I will assume it might be easier with a Drew Moore back there who is a talker, who is an organizer, who can, and you have Justin Morrow and Stephen Betashore. Like you have three MLS hardened vets, right, that know what to do back there. Even when you had a Clint Irwin, yes, I know Clint Irwin wasn't everybody's cup of tea as a goalkeeper either, but, you know, got a lot of games in the league, you know, can, can command respect in, in that room. And that's not to say that Alex does it. I, I do agree that you, you do need sometimes a vocal goalkeeper that is going to be able to marshal sort of a backline. I don't necessarily think you need a guy who's like a complete, like, you know, screamer or anything like that. Um, I, I just think like, like Alex Bono is a good goalkeeper that has limits. Right. And, you know, I, I think we kind of know as a goalkeeper what he kind of is. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, except I, I think that, you know, again, like sort of what you said, Sean, in terms of where the club wants to go, I think they just need someone to come in and, and give him a, a real run of competition if the plan is to keep him. Um, you, you know, and, and again, again, not to try to make this into a salary cap, episode or anything like that but he the 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 salaries came out this week and he's on 550 which is not the it's not terrible or anything but you know that is starting goalkeeper money in mls and if you're bringing him back um next season do you think it's do you think he's worth that or more right um and i i assume a lot of people in this room will probably say no um but Again, you know, to me, I think he's, you know, maybe not the, the top level of starting goalkeeper in MLS, but uh, I still think he competes for a starting job as somewhere else in the league. Um, and I think he still can compete for a job here in Toronto, right? But I think you do need to bring someone in to push that position. Um, again, uh, you know, uh, that assumes you, maybe you're not keeping Quentin Westberg or Quentin Westberg wants to go back to France, right, and go home um, to his family, which he has talked about. Um, in, in previous interviews as well. So a lot to sort of digest there in terms of the goalkeeping position, um, both through this remainder of the season and, and next season. But uh, Jeff, uh, we have you uh, online here. So go ahead and meet yourself and uh, give us your thoughts on this. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a difficult one because I think they're, if you look at across the board, I think they're both very comparable. Um, and so like maybe bonus better on crosses, Westberg, when he comes out to, to close the space, he's probably better there. But I think there's a, a level of calm that comes with being able to play back. And, and, and you can see it in the guys when they play back to Bono versus playing back to, uh, to Q. That it just, it just, I think it just calms everybody down. So, and it's tough to measure that. But I think that's, um, I think that's a huge plus for Q. One thing I would say is, you know, there's certain teams you play in MLS and you're like, oh, man, this keeper that we're facing tonight, he's, you know, he's amazing and he's tough to beat and he stops a lot of penalties or whatever it is. I don't think either one of those guys are, are in that category. I think we're, uh, you know, I think you've said it earlier that, you know, this is something we have to address. And I, I agree. I think they're both good, but not, you know, there no one fears going in on those guys. No, um, and, and I, I agree that uh, in the end of the day, I think, um, and Jeff, I'm just going to remove you back into the audience. Thank you for your thoughts. Um, and Robbie, thank you as well for your thoughts. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it needs an upgrade. Is it the most urgent upgrade right now? No. To me, we talked about this last week, the urgent upgrades right now. I think you need to think about potentially um, a right back 
Um, you, you may want to think about another potential center back. I know it's uncommon to keep, you know, five center backs on the roster, but um, you may want to think about that. And I think you want to think about a holding midfielder, um, you know, whether that is a, you know, a ball winning, no, not think of, it should be a ball winning uh, central midfielder. Um, I think those are your most pressing needs at the moment. You know, again, if they go get a striker, then sure. Again, I, I, I don't know if that's the thing you need right now, but if you can get that striker in the window and that's a, uh, an incredible upgrade, then yes, of course you go and do that. Um, but I think overall, eventually down that road, again, I think in the off season, you, you're going to have to bring someone in. Um, and just thinking of Bob Bradley's sort of track record with, with goalkeepers and, and goalkeepers he brought in, like in, in, in LAFC, he kind of had the same problem, right? Um, where he went through a couple of goalkeepers and never really sort of settled on a, a real number one. Um for a while right and, and that was something that sort of plagued LAFC in terms of you know for all the, the amazing seasons that they 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 had under him and the point breaking uh or point uh breaking season that they had in in 2019 you know they they went through a couple of goalkeepers and to get there so it'll be interesting to see what he envisions as his sort of ideal goalkeeper Going into the season, I thought he would actually want Q as his number one because of the sort of pre-mentioned uh, or before-mentioned um, distributing sort of capabilities that he has. But clearly he saw something in Alex Bono to make him the number one. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I think this is not the end. I think we see Alex Bono again this season. Uh, I, you know, I don't think it's Q's job now. I think he's going to ride him until, you know, he doesn't until a couple of results drop and then Q and then Bono's back in there. Right. I think that's just going to be how the season works out with goalkeeping. Um, but moving off the goalkeeping stuff, because I think, again, we've kind of beat that horse again to death over the last year and a bit. Um, a couple of notes sort of to end off the show here, but um, obviously big win. It's big three points. I know we're sort of talking about sort of all the, deficiencies in the team and things like that because those are the easy things to see right now. But if you look at the standings, this team's only three points out of a playoff spot. Like Miami right now is holding this, the seven spot with 18 points. We're now on 15 points. Um, we are still, uh, I think, bottom of the Eastern Conference in terms of goals conceded. Uh, so that's obviously we've talked about that as an issue. But, you know, one of the things we talked about going into the 2022 season was just, you know, hang in there, right? Stay in range until you can get to the January to, to July transfer window um, and, and bring in the players that you want to bring in. And right now we're, we're hanging in there. It's not pretty, um, but we're still only three points out um, of a playoff spot. Uh, and that might seem incredible to a lot of people. And considering how sort of, things went over the last month, but we're still hanging in there, you know, and, and you're looking at teams like new England who won the supporter shield last season. I think they're only a point ahead of us right now. Um, uh, and same with Atlanta and Columbus, right. And those were, you know, those were teams that were pegged to be a lot higher than us this year. So um, hang in there. TSE fans. We're, we're not, it, it, it's not, we're not dead yet. Um, we're only three points out of a, a spot and, you know, you come back from the international break and it's a tough one. You got to play Red Bull uh, in New York, but if you can get a result there, 
then you're right in the mix, you know, close to the the July transfer window. And then you see kind of where you're at at that point and see if you can make a run. Um, Sean, you know, just love to get your thoughts just in terms of, you know, where we're at in the standings right now and, and sort of, you know, can, can this team make a run, right? Because it's not like last year where we're at this point last year and it's like, there's no way this team's making a run, right? It, it, this team's a lot different than last year's team, um, even though the results may not feel that way. I mean, yeah, it could happen. I, for, for, I think we're going to need a couple things to go our way. And I think the first thing, even before we, we, the, the summer window opens and our recruits come in, I think we need to get healthy, right? I think if we don't have a healthy pause, if we don't have a healthy Osario, I, I, it re- like I don't care who we bring in. Those are two of our key components uh, from our starting 11 that we need. And, and even uh, uh, whether Mavinga's here long-term, we need a healthy Chris Mavinga, right? So for me, without those healthy individuals, it, it's – I'm happy that we're close to that playoff spot that, you know, coming close into close to the summer window, but you know, the injury concerns are something that, that, you know, we, we potentially, they both left yesterday with injuries. And well, well, also left with an injury. Yes. I think Boz just left because he's just, it's his first game in three and like, uh, like, he's run his race. Right. Anytime you just, I guess for me, is anytime I see a player calling for a sub versus uh, a, a mandated, you know, scheduled time sub for, for him, I always get a little more concerned. But you're right. You know, it may, hopefully it is nothing, you know, because he just scored that, that, that beauty. Um, but, you know, anything could happen. We could go on a run, right? It's not inconceivable that, that it couldn't happen that, you know, Insigne comes here and, you know, just the, him being here, you know, lights a spark under the guys and we just see an, uh, an improvement. And, and like you said, all it takes is, you know, two or three wins in a row and bam, we're in that playoff race and, you know, you wins build confidence, right? And that's all that matters. If you can build consecutive, you know, winning streaks, it builds confidence, especially when you have a young core, you need that. Well, it's just interesting because if you look at the schedule right now after the international break, like obviously they've got um, the Canadian Championship sort of wedged in in the middle there. Um, and they got to go to Hamilton next week for, you know, a cup final slash glorified friendly. But, um, you know, they, they come back on the 18th against Red Bull. That's always a tough game. We've never really done well at Red Bull Arena. Um, but then after that, you know, you have Atlanta, Columbus, back-to-back at home um, with a Canadian championship, I think, yeah, wedged just maybe before the Atlanta game on the 25th. But if you can get results out of that, and look, their home form is not terrible, right? Like, they've, they all of their wins have been at home. Um, so there's, they're finding ways to, to, to win at home um, and get points at home. But if you can get a, a couple of positive results there, you're in the thick of it. And then guess what happens? Your next game after the Columbus game is July 2nd. And in theory, that could be unlikely will be Insigne's first game, but that could be Insigne's first game against the Sounders, right? Um, and y- you're you're right in the thick of things. You know, you may not have the playoff spot right away, but you you could you're right in there, you know, with maybe your your couple points out. And that's kind of what I think realistically a lot of fans kind of just 
we're, we're thinking about in terms of, you know, the, the team overall, just stay in it. Um, and they've done that. It, again, it, going winless in six is not pretty. And some of those losses were ugly for sure. But hook by hook or by crook, they're still in it. Now they're, they, they still have a mountain to climb. Like if you look at sort of the points per the points per game, um, you know, the, the teams above them are, are stacked a lot higher um, than they are in that regard. But in the end of the day, it really is just more about, you know, just collecting points and collecting positive results. So, again, I agree. The team needs to get healthy. Hopefully the international break helps. The, you know, uh, in theory, Jonathan Osorio would be the only player going off on duty. Um I know they have some call-ups to the uh, the U20 um, camps as well. I don't think it's during this window, but it's coming up fairly soon. Um, but if also can't go to camp uh, for the national team, then you know you you have you have a couple of weeks to really get yourself fit and get as many of your pieces back as possible. Um, and then again, of course, next week. You know, of course, you want to win. You want to win that game. Yes. Again, like I said, it is kind of a glorified friendly slash cup final. But I mean, if you can go into that game and get a result, then again, like you said, that builds a little bit more confidence, especially if you can get some players who don't get as many minutes on the pitch and and get them into that winning winning mentality and that winning feeling. Then maybe you're building towards something. Um, and again, I don't think we need to jump the gun like we did the last time when they went for unbeaten, but, um, I think that, I think that only serves you well, uh, going forward again, they don't all have to be works of art. They just kind of sometimes need to be three points or a point, um, to move you forward. Uh, so, so that's sort of the, the thoughts on that. Um, the last little thing I just wanted to bring up here before we wrap up the show is just, a quick congratulations to former TFC uh, right back Richie Larea, um, promoted with Nottingham Forest into the to the Premier League. Of course, obviously you would want him to see him playing more minutes, um, but still a, a pretty exciting time probably for him and his family. And and uh, you know, right now, as of now, we'll we'll see what the future holds. But as of right now, he's a Premier League player. Yeah, I didn't get to watch the game this morning because I was um, on the sidelines uh, cheering on my squad uh, to a 2-1 loss. But um, I'm watching it. It's actually on the background now. So, um, you know what? It is a great Sorry, thing. Spoiler, Sorry, spoiler alert. I, well, <laughs> I, I already know, I already know what happened. I was all over. Like, I couldn't avoid it on Twitter, okay? Like, yeah, everybody. We all, we're all Richie fans and all become Nottingham Forest fans in Canada. In yeah, Canada, sorry. Right? Anybody in the room, a spoiler <laughs> alert. Uh, Nottingham Forest win this one, okay? <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know what? Happy for him. Um, you know, if all signs are pointing that he'll have all opportunities to, you know, potentially – get some good minutes next year. Who knows if he'll be the starter, but, you know, I, I do think he'll be given all the opportunity because isn't the guy who is right now, their right wing back kind of uh, on loan. He is. Um, we'll see. I mean, uh, yes, he has to go back. He's on loan from Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough will cash in on him. Um, he's had the season of his life essentially. Um, so we'll see where he goes. There's a lot of big clubs that are apparently interested in him. 
we don't know what will happen. Again, obviously, there's a cash injection to Nottingham Forest, so maybe they just step up the money and, and pay to keep them. Who knows? But um, also, there will be some big players in there. You know, Chelsea, now that they have new ownership, there was interest in him um, from, from them. And, you know, there were some uh, German clubs that were interested. Um, you know, there was even talk at one point of Barcelona. I think that's a little uh, a little out there. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think Richie may have a chance to 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 win some minutes. And you know, look, if he ends up being loaned out, then okay, he's loaned out. Uh, and and if he's loaned, they'll loan him out with an opportunity to get minutes somewhere, right? So um, that that can again only I I think just being in Europe and being able to compete at that level serves him well um, and going into a World Cup year and. Look, at the worst, if it doesn't work out, I, I'm sure TFC will be happy to find him a spot back on the team, right? Like, you know, that that's if that's the worst-case scenario for him, I don't think that's a, a completely worst-case scenario. No, um, and, and my prediction is whether he, it be, you know, him staying with Nottingham um, next season or going out on loan, uh, I'm confident he'll, he'll be given the opportunity to get minutes. Right versus, you know, the situation he he came in, it was it was a tough one positionally, where you know, he it, it was almost gonna be impossible for him to overtake that you know the, that player in that position. But you know, fresh slate when you're starting fresh from preseason, right? When you you are given at least a, what looks like a, a fair opportunity to fight for that role. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, congratulations to him. Um, obviously that was a dream of his to play in Europe and to, and to play in England. And now he at least will potentially have an opportunity to play in the premier league this upcoming season. Uh, so yeah, in terms of uh, moving forward, as we mentioned, TFC will be on a, at least a league break for the next uh, almost three weeks uh, until they play again on the 18th against Red Bull, but they're not completely inactive. Uh, they do have, uh, the 2020 Canadian uh, Championship Final against Forge FC in Hamilton next week. I'll be interested to see what kind of lineup they put out um, for this one. You know, I, I I think Hugh probably, again, does get another start. Do they go full bore and then really play all their sort of records? Does a Salcedo play? Does a Pozuelo play? Um, or, or let's say, let's start. I think they could maybe play some minutes, but I don't know if they'll start. Um, but it'll be um, interesting to, to see what kind of lineup they put out. I will say Salcedo more, more likely to start than pause simply because of, you know, I like O'Neill left yesterday, yesterday's game. So we don't know if it's injury or if he's just tired, um, you know, and we already don't have a Mavinga. So you're, you're, you would think it would be a Salcedo and a McNaughton center back pairing. Um, you have pause again. You know what? Maybe give Prozoa a chance to start alongside Bradley and let pause give uh, a break. Depending again if you have Osario or not, or not which I'm going to say no. Yeah, so I would. I probably think they would shut him down. Yeah, especially because they were not going to like Bradley said they're not going to stop him from trying to go to the national team camp. So unless you know it comes back that he's going to be out for a while. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think that I think they will. They would probably sit him. So then you're going to be looking at most likely Jade Nelson um, getting the start as well. Um, 
you know, Akinola and maybe uh, Perusa up front and give him and it, put him, him and S on the bench. Um, so I, like I said, I, I don't see pause starting. Um, again, we also technically will be away with the national team. Um, if he's not out injured. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see uh, yeah. who's, who's there. Right. Cause like I said, we've got injury. We've got, we don't have the, the numbers to really just kind of rotate a group of guys in, you can almost expect them potentially a couple TFC two guys on the roster. Um, yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, and does Forge have a game this week before? They do. They play Edmonton on Tuesday night, I believe, which is just a weird night to play, but yeah, they're in Edmonton. Uh, in Edmonton? Edmonton. Yeah. In Edmonton. Yeah. Oh, that. So that's a uh, now. Here's a question for you, as you would know that team a little better. Uh, and uh, sorry, we're kind of going off, but it is still talking against TFC. Yeah, yeah. But do you see Forge going easy on Tuesday night in order to rest up some of their key figures to win a trophy? Yeah, good question. Um, well, they're kind of in the same position that TFC are in. One, they only have a 23 man roster, so it's, it's hard to go through a full rotation of guys um, for Forge. Uh, no, they're going to take that game seriously. They want to win that cup. Like it, it like, and, and I'll say this right now, if TFC do not take that game seriously, they could get slapped. Um, but uh, no, I, I think they will take it seriously. Um, I think there will be some rotation uh, in the, in the team in Edmonton um, for, for Forge, you know, look, they just came off getting thumped by Montreal in the cup. Um, and, and that was uh, that, you know, that, that's, that hurt them a little bit. Um, I, I think they went in that game thinking they could be competitive. Um, and, and look, Montreal, you know, just, you know, I know a lot of people are not going to like hearing this in a TFC show, but right now Montreal are probably the best club team in, in, in the country on form right now. I don't think that's very controversial. So, um, you know, the, I, I think they're going to rotate some players in. You could see the likes of Noah Jensen playing. They may even keep Tristan Henry from traveling in goal. Um, you know, they, they might, you know, they might, again, they have some injuries in the back line right now. No Dom Samuel, um, which is a big loss um, uh, from a defensive perspective for them. Um, they may rest somebody like Ashton Morgan uh, and, and not play him uh, in Edmonton. So they may, they may travel with a, a, a more inexperienced squad and then come back with a full squad for uh, Saturday. So expect, you know, as full gun a roster, um, or a starting 11 as you can get for Forge right now, um, given sort of where they're at with injuries and, and things like that. So, um, again, it will be a tough – you look, it's not – It's not for people who think this is going to be a walk in the park for TFC, it will not. Um, I can guarantee well, you that. I, I, I'm not going to lie. Preseason, I would have said, you know what, I, I would have been a lot more confident. But now, no. And even yeah, though I – and the thing is, Forge hasn't even played well, but I still think Forge will – just be a lot more motivated going into the game than TFC. And that kind of worries me. Yeah. That, that again, that's my, for TFC, that's my, is, is your motivation levels. Like, do you give, do you care about this? Um, and, and look, I, 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 to, I've heard a lot of arguments from TFC fans about, you know, this game not mattering. Why should we care? It's a, it's a glorified friendly. It's a, it's a tin cup that won't matter much. Um, but look, anytime you get a chance to win a trophy, it matters, right? If, if this club is 
saying what it, it it wants to be, which is a club that competes for trophies year in and year out. I don't care if this is a, a trophy from two years ago. Go win it, right? If if yeah. you want to say that CPL is of it is not of a standard and that TFC should go run this team, go run the team, right? Like it's don't don't talk about it. Go do it. And and this is an opportunity for TFC to go and prove that. Look, they played HFX Wanderers, which is, I believe, right now, bottom of the table and, or maybe second bottom in CPL. And they had trouble, right? Like, they, you know, they had trouble beating that team during the week. Um, yes, they ended up with a 2-1 result, but are you honestly going to say that they outplayed, vastly outplayed HFX Wanderers on, on, Tuesday, uh, on Tuesday night? No, not no. really. No. Nice. So, so it, you know, it, it, it's uh, it, it's a game that I think TFC should take seriously. Uh, I think they will, um, but again, if you if you sort of let that concentration lapse, if you kind of go in there thinking that ah, this is this is going to be three points for us or a, a or a cup in the bag for you, you're sadly mistaken. <laughs> like uh, Forge will be up for this match, and 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 for those who don't follow the CPL um, closely. Uh, no, Forge have not played their best football so far this year. Um, they're far from the team that's won uh, two straight Canadian Premier League titles. Um, but they're starting to turn it around in, in terms of league play. Um, you know, they they went out and beat that same HFX Wanderers team 4-0 um, on the Saturday before TFC played them. So, you know, um, keep that in mind uh, for next weekend uh, or for, sorry, well, yeah, for Saturday. Um, because if TFC don't take it seriously or they don't come out with an A game, they could get beat, you know, and yeah. and and, uh, and and it will be probably the biggest crowd that Forge have had probably since probably since the there? CPL. Well, probably since the CPL final. Probably since the uh, the, the CPL final in November. Um, or no, probably not even that. Probably the CPL final in 2019. Um, so the people will be up for it you know, from that perspective. So, you know, uh, keep that in mind. If you guys are making it out to Hamilton, definitely do so, you know, uh, because I think... Arrive early because there's nowhere to park there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as somebody who lives here um, and, and now somebody who technically uh, also works for Forge, uh, get here early uh, and get parking um, if you're driving or if you're taking transit, um, definitely uh, get here early enough. Uh, because getting in and out of the stadium is not the easiest uh, thing. Uh, so there, little pro tip for you uh, when coming at Tim Hortons Field, if you have not done so uh, before. Um, but we'll wrap it up there. Um, Sean, thank you again uh, for joining uh, this week. Uh, for those who are listening again, thank you so much for continuing to support the Tunnel Club uh, as we do these shows, uh, you know, the day after at home games and usually about 30 to 35 minutes uh, post an away match. Uh, we'll try to run this show uh, after the game next week. Uh, I am working that game uh, at Hamilton, and I believe, Sean, you are making your way out to Hamilton for that game as well. I will, I will be there. So, you know, if we do do a show, um, it'll probably – first of all, I have to apologize. Um, Sunday soccer started for me, so our tunnel – Whenever we have a home game and and we're doing the show on a Sunday, our times are gonna vary because my it'll be around. Yeah, you're, you're in league play now. Yeah, you're in yeah. league play now. So, uh, so that will vary. Um, so I do appreciate all of you for giving up a beautiful um, Sunday afternoon to come join us. I hope some of you are at least chilling on uh, in in outdoors listening to us. 
because uh, it is a gorgeous day in the city. So please get outside if you haven't already. Um, but yeah, um, next week, you know, if I hope a lot of you guys who are here are, are going to go down to the game. Um, you know what? Let's hope TFC comes out strong, comes out gunning for a win. Um, let's hope we get good weather and a good away crowd. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you see myself or Sean, come over, say hi. Um, I'll actually be in forge gear. Uh, as I, like I said, I will be working the game, but, uh, neither way, come over, say hi, taunt me a little bit. If you okay. want, that's fine. <laughs> I, have a, I have a question, Mike, cause I know originally your seat for that game was in TFC section. Where are you sitting now? Uh, well, uh, technically, as I'm working the game, I don't necessarily sit. I'm normally around the stadium uh, throughout, but I'll be standing around the away section for sure. Um, uh, I, there's a couple of people I have to talk to during the match, um, but I'll definitely be uh, I'll be definitely standing around the away end. I also will be uh, saying hello to some people in the battalion um, because they're still really good friends of mine. So, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where, look, I, it, for me, um I've been a I've been a TFC supporter for going on you know 13 14 years so uh, that's not changing um, but obviously you know I do have a special place in my heart for Forge um, for a lot of different reasons um, but uh, I'm looking forward to this game I'm looking forward to a competitive match because I think it will be um, I think Forge will help raise the competitive level for TFC um, in that game and I think that's actually something the team is going to need. Uh, next week so that will be that will be something i'm looking forward to um but uh other than that guys again thank you for listening uh enjoy the rest of your sunday uh if you not follow us at uh on twitter at tfc tunnel club also do us a favor go ahead and follow our our big brother uh podcast at toronto till i die um they have their shows uh live every thursday uh on facebook um, on YouTube, uh, definitely go and uh, check those guys out. Um, they're always a big supporter of us, and we're a big supporter of them as well. But enjoy your Sunday, guys. Uh, enjoy, and we'll uh, we'll chat to you soon. Take care.